Every offseason, NFL bettors and fans alike eagerly wait for Warren Sharp's football preview book to drop. It's an annual must-read if you're looking to make money betting on the NFL. And for a limited time, you can get this year's edition for free. That's right, 100% free. To get your free copy, simply search the official Sharp Football Analysis Twitter handle, which is SharpFBAnalysis, and click the link in the bio. This free offer won't last long, so hurry and grab your free copy today. Welcome to the Sharp Angles Betting Podcast. I'm Ryan McChrystal. You can find me on Twitter at Ryan underscore McChrystal. Before we dive into this week's prop bets, take a moment to subscribe to the Sharp Angles podcast feed on Apple, Spotify, or wherever you're listening to us today. And in that feed, you'll get all four of our weekly podcasts. We've got the Sharp Waiver and Injuries Show with Todd Burrows, Tucker Bagley, and Curtis Hirsch. Sharp Angles with Dan Pizzuta and Rich Rebar. And of course, the Sharp Angles Fantasy Podcast with Rich and his weekly fantasy expert. Also, be sure to check out our YouTube page. Subscribe to Warren Sharp on YouTube for our fantasy football insight, matchup previews, in-depth stats and analysis, and plenty more. All right, now let's dive into this week's player props. Hopefully, you followed us last week on Thanksgiving for the special Thanksgiving pod. Obviously, gave out a lot more picks than usual to give you plenty of action to follow on Thanksgiving. And we had a pretty good week, especially in that first game. Started out 4-0. Uh, to start our Thanksgiving out right. So hopefully you followed along to those. Now we'll, we're back into the normal swing of things this week. And so we'll start out with a prop that I've talked about a lot this year. And I'll be real brief because if you've been listening, you know what, you know that you're expecting this. We're on the over on Nick Chubb's longest rush. And this is obviously based on the trend that Chubb has going, even dating back to last year. He's gone over 20 yards in nine of 11 games this year, 13 of his last 15 games Dating back to last year, this has just been a weekly winner for us all along. I'll take the line this week up to 20 and a half yards. Hopefully we get it somewhere in that range. I don't believe the line has actually ever gone above 19 and a half, though. But I'd be willing to take it up to 20 and a half if, it's, if that's where it gets posted. And it might get a little bit of a boost because he faces the Texans this week. Arguably the worst run defense in the league. So we've, we've got basically the best running back in the league at in terms of breaking off these long runs, taking advantage of defensive mistakes and the defense that is making the most of those mistakes, basically, or among the most, at least. Houston has allowed a run of at least 20 yards to seven different running backs this season. So they've been prone to giving up these big plays. And as we've talked about with Chubb a lot, it has a lot, these big plays have a lot to do with defenses not creating contact near the line of scrimmage. When a running back picks up 20 or more yards this season, 78% of the time, it starts with three or more yards before contact. And that's one of the areas where Houston really struggles. They're allowing three or more yards before contact on 29% of running back carries this season, almost one out of three. That's the fourth highest rate. So again, we've got Chubb who has a great track record, regardless of who he's facing, of taking advantage of defensive mistakes and hitting these long runs. And we have one of the worst defenses in terms of making those mistakes and giving up long runs. So a great opportunity to bet the over on Chubb's longest rush against Houston. All right, let's stick with some running back props. This next one might be a little bit surprising given the health concern of Justin Fields. We don't know his status right now, but I'm on the over for David Montgomery's rushing yards against the Packers this week. I'm expecting this line to be available probably around 60 yards. I would take the over all the way up to 65 yards. 
And it's based mostly on the Packers' run defense. They've really been struggling. Obviously, they just got gashed by the Eagles on Sunday night, gave up 363 rushing yards. Miles Sanders accounted for 143 of those on 21 carries. But this was not an isolated incident. The Packers' run defense has struggled all season. Sanders was actually the sixth straight running back to hit the over on his rushing yards against Green Bay. So there's a little bit of a trend working in our favor here as well. And it has a lot to do with the Packers struggling to create early contact, similar to what we just talked about with the Texans' run defense. The Packers contact running backs at or behind the line of scrimmage on 39% of their carries. That ranks 28th in the league. So this is this this is a, something that they've struggled with throughout the season. And we've seen this happen in the matchup against the Bears back in week two. The Packers actually contacted Montgomery and Khalil Herbert at or behind the line of scrimmage on 16% of their carries. That was That's the lowest rate of the Packers this year. So the Bears were specifically good at exploiting this weakness in the, in the Packers' defense in their last matchup. In that game, Montgomery had 15 carries for 122 yards. He had a season-high 2.1 yards before contact per attempt. So Montgomery is not known as an elusive back. Obviously, that's not his strength. But again, this Packers defense in that last matchup really struggled to create early contact. And it's something that they've continued to do throughout uh, throughout the season. And, you know, they were at arguably their worst last week against the Eagles. So I think this is a good matchup. Now, we don't know if Fields is going to play, but it doesn't really affect me much because I think on one hand, without Fields, the Bears offense is going to be worse. Obviously, they were not good last week against the Jets. Um, the offense as a whole is going to struggle. But if Fields does play, he's going to eat up some of the rushing production. So I think it kind of cancels it out in terms of what we should expect from Montgomery. Without Fields back there, Montgomery is going to be carrying the workload. With Fields out there, the offense is a little bit better, but Fields cuts into some of the run game. So, you know, just last week, as, as bad as the Bears looked, Montgomery still had 14 carries for 79 yards against uh, – decent Jets defense with Trevor Simeon at quarterback. And in that game, even though they, you know, even though the offense was struggling and they were trailing for much of the game, um, they still had a 50-50, a perfectly even 50-50 split, run pass split. So I don't think just because we think that there's a chance that they get blown out in this game if Fields doesn't play, based on what we saw last week, we shouldn't expect that to dramatically cut into Montgomery's workload. I think he's going to see a decent amount of work if Fields isn't in the game regardless of what the game script is. And if Fields does play, then, you know, we expect their offense to be better. We expect Montgomery to get some touches. Maybe even the Bears win, and maybe he gets some some extra usage in the second half if they're playing with a lead. I think that's certainly a possibility if Fields is back in action. So basically, just regardless of Fields' status, I think this is a good opportunity for Montgomery to take advantage of a Packers run defense that has just really struggled this season. Let's move on now to some quarterback props, and let's we're actually going to hit on a bunch of unders here. The first one I'm going to start off with is Matt Ryan's passing yards against the Cowboys. I'm expecting this line to be around 230 yards, probably. I'll be on the under if it's somewhere in that range. This is just a terrible matchup for Matt Ryan against the Cowboys' pass rush. I think he's going to be under duress all game. And the 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 Cowboys have the best pass rush in the league. They lead the league with a 44% pressure rate, and this is you know. It's something that's been consistent all season. They've had a 33% pressure rate in eight of 11 games. And I think possibly possibly more importantly than just their overall pressure rate is the fact that they're doing it without the blitz. 
as I said, they have a 44% pressure rate overall. Without the blitz, it's 42%. So whether or not they blitz is not having a huge impact. They're getting to the quarterback regardless. Both of those numbers lead the league. And Ryan is just really struggling under pressure. He's taking a sack at a really high rate. He's a sack on 23% of his dropbacks under pressure. And as I said, I think the pressure rate without the blitz is a really key number here. Here are his stats when he is pressured without a blitz. 56% completion rate, 5.6 yards per attempt, one touchdown, six interceptions, 20% sack rate. This is just a really bad matchup. The Packers or the the Cowboys, I'm sorry, the Cowboys are not going to need to blitz at a high rate to get pressure on Ryan. And when they do get pressure on him, he's going to struggle. So I think the Colts passing game is really going to struggle. I think the offense as a whole is really going to struggle in this matchup. And we've seen this happen a couple times this season when Matt Ryan is pressured at least 33% of the time in a game, the under on his passing yards is three and one. So there's a little bit of a trend here, not a huge sample size, obviously, but a little bit of a trend. And we think that this is probably the worst matchup that he's going to face all season in terms of going up against a defense that with or without the blitz is just going to get consistent pressure on him. We also have a really strong trend on the other side with Dallas. The under has been a consistent winner with them. Now, Daniel Jones did hit the over on his passing yards against them on Thanksgiving, but he was only the second quarterback to hit his over against Dallas this season. Matthew Stafford did it earlier in the year. So we've got a really strong trend as far as Dallas's defense is forcing the under with quarterback passing yards. We've got Ryan struggling a lot under pressure, and the Cowboys the best defense in the league at creating pressure. So we've got a good trend, and we've got a lot of numbers supporting the idea that Ryan's going to struggle in this matchup. I really like the under on Ryan's passing yards against Dallas if the line is somewhere around 230. Another under on passing yards I like is for Tua Tungvaluwa this week against the 49ers. Now, Tua's hit the over in his passing yards prop in five straight games. That might actually work to our advantage in this one. I would expect the line to be maybe somewhere around 265 to 275. It was at 275 last week. I don't think it'll rise just because of the defense that they're playing, like the 49ers. Um, but it might stay relatively high in that range, which is on the high end of where this prop has been available for Tua this season just because – He's got a nice streak going of hitting the under. But the reason I'm on the under is they're going to be without left tackle Taron Armstead, or I should say they're likely to be without. They haven't officially made that announcement as of I'm recording this, but all signs point to him not playing this week. In fact, it sounds like he'll probably miss multiple weeks. And that could be devastating to the Packers offense because their offensive line is brutally bad when he's not out there. They do not have a left tackle capable of replacing him. They, they just don't have an NFL left tackle if he's not in the lineup. So far this season, we've seen a decent amount of action without Armstead lining up at left tackle on 318 dropbacks with Armstead. The Dolphins have a lot of 26% pressure rate. On 112 dropbacks without Armstead, 54% pressure rate. Now, some of that came in the games when Tua was not out there. So that's a little bit of a factor that we should keep in the back of our mind. But Armstead was knocked out of last game while Tua was still in the game. Tua took 11 dropbacks without Armstead at left tackle. On those 11 dropbacks, he was pressured six times. He took four sacks. <laughs> four sacks on 11 dropbacks without Armstead. So, yeah, maybe you might be inclined to throw away some of that data when they're without Armstead, but also without Tua. But 
that is overwhelming evidence last week that the offense was completely derailed when he came out of the game because even when Tua was out there, he was under immediate pressure and taking sacks without arm set left tackle. It was an absolute train wreck once he left the game. Now, the guys that are replacing him, just staggering numbers for them as well. Brandon Shell initially stepped in for Armstead. Greg Little also played a little bit in that game last week uh, once Armstead went out. Both of those guys filled in for him a bit earlier in the season when he was out. Just to compare their numbers, looking only at snaps at left tackle. So Little and Shell have also played other positions, but isolating their snaps at left tackle and comparing it to Armstead now. Armstead has allowed a 3.8% pressure rate at left tackle this season. Greg Little, 18.6%. Brandon Shell, 21.6%. Now, there have been 51 players in the league who've played at least 50 snaps in pass protection at left tackle this year. Little and Shell rank 50th and 51st, and it's not close. They are the worst left tackles in the league by a huge margin. Armstead, obviously, among the best. So there is a massive drop-off without here. I think this has the potential to really derail the offense. Now, it's probably not going to look as bad as earlier in the season when they were without Armstead and without Tua, obviously, because Tua is a big upgrade from Skylar Thompson and Teddy Bridgewater. But I, I think this really has the potential to completely derail the offense. If Tua is under pressure, anything close to like what he was last week once Armstead left. Again, that was six six times under pressure and 11 dropouts with four sacks without Armstead last week. They've only got a week to fix that. I mean, I don't know how you take an offense that was that miserable without Armstead last week and fix it, especially going up against a good defense in the 49ers. I don't think that's something that they can just fix over the course of a few days of practice, especially when they already had time to try to fix it earlier in the year when they were without Armstead for two weeks. So this has the potential to be a big problem. So I'm on the under for two as passing yards against the 49ers. This is also maybe a, a little bit based on the fact that we've got somewhat of a trend with the 49ers defense. The under for quarterbacks is hit in seven of 11 games. So there's a little bit of a trend already. I think it's just a, a really miserable matchup for them trying to play without Armstead. I, I'm also probably going to take San Francisco against the spread. It's minus four right now. As I said, I think the Dolphins offense has the potential to just be a complete mess without Armstead out there. So I think this could be a really easy win for the 49ers. I would be really surprised if they're able to fix it. But if they do fix it, I like the under on two as passing yards because it probably means they're forced to shift to a very run-heavy offense. And maybe maybe they have success that way against the 49ers. That's certainly possible. But I don't expect their passing game to be anything close to what it was when Armstead has been out there this season. So I'm on the under on two as passing yards against San Francisco. Another quarterback under that I'm on this week is Justin Herbert's passing yards against the Raiders. And this is also health related. I, I guess I should say I'm not officially on this yet because it is going to depend on some injury news that we'll get later in the week. It's based on Corey Lindsley's health, really. He's in concussion protocol right now. And if he's out, if Lindsley does not play in this game, then I will be on the under for Justin Herbert's passing yards. Also another factor here. Trey Pipkins also re-injured his knee. He's questionable for this week as of right now. So that's that's not going to – whether he plays is not going to sway me one way or the other. But if they're without both Lindsley and Pipkins, I think their offensive line is going to be even worse than usual. So that would just increase my confidence in it. But it's, this is really based on Corey Lindsley's health. He has been a key cog in the offensive line this season. Herbert has been pressured at a really high rate this year, obviously. Even more concerning is the fact that he's been pressured quickly at a really high rate. He's been pressured in 2.5 seconds or less 
and 28% of his dropbacks. That's the league's highest rate. But Lindsley at center has been a big factor in this. With Lindsley on the field, he's been pressured in 2.5 seconds or less 24% of the time. That's higher than average, but it's not miserable. Without Lindsley on the field, he's been pressured in 2.5 seconds or less 36%, 36% of the time. That is miserable. And they're going to be in trouble against the Raiders if Lindsley's not out there and he's consistently under quick pressure like that. Also, taking a look at some of his yardage with and without Lindsley, Herbert's averaging 7.0 yards per attempt with Lindsley on the field, 5.7 without. That makes sense. If he's under quick pressure, they're not going to be able to throw the ball downfield as often. Probably limits his uh, probably limits his big plays in this game. Maybe you could even consider playing the under on some of the longest longest pass, longest reception for some of those guys. I would prefer to play the passing yardage number, but that's something to consider as well. Now, he could hit the over just purely with passing volume, but I'm not too concerned with that because the under has actually been a winner more often than not so far this season. It's not a huge trend, 6 of 11 games, but you know, it's not like we're taking a guy who's consistently crushing the over here and trying to bet the under based on an injury. This is a guy who's been kind of 50-50 with now an injury potentially playing a really significant role in their ability to throw the ball against the Raiders. So if Corey Lindsley is unable to go, I'm on the under for Justin Herbert's passing yards this week. All right, now it's time to talk some Thursday night football action. Obviously, we've got Bills and Patriots going up. And so you know in this game, I'm going to be following the Patriots coverage scheme and trying to exploit this, something that we've been doing throughout most of the season. We're now 5-2 and two when picking a receiver to bet against the Patriots based on their coverage scheme. And if you've been listening along, you know that this is based on the fact that the Patriots play the lowest rate of two high safety coverage schemes, only 22% outside the red zone. The league average is 42%. On Thanksgiving, we followed this trend to bet the over on Adam Thielen's receptions. That was a very easy winner. I think he finished with nine receptions and the line was four and a half or maybe even three and a half. Easy win. I think we even got it in the first half. So there have been certain games this year where we've exploited this and gotten really easy wins like that. I'm not entering this game with Gabe Davis at, at quite the same confidence level. I'm still going to be on the over. The line's at 51 and a half yards. He is the Bills receiver that sees the most significant uh, change in his usage based on single high versus two high, but it's not as extreme as we've seen in some other instances, such as last week with the Vikings getting a really big jump to Adam Thielen. The difference for Gabe Davis is the versus single high coverage, he sees a 19% target share versus two high, 15%. Now, that's not a huge difference. It's not as big as we've seen for some other teams, but I think there's maybe a little bit of an added value knowing that the he's not the receiver the Patriots are going to focus on. Obviously, their attention is going to be on Stephon Diggs. So if they're in that single high coverage, more often than not, Gabe Davis is going to be the guy that's a one-on-one matchup with no help over the top. That probably opens up some downfield shots that they can try to take at Gabe Davis. So he might have some big plays in him. With that receiving yards prop only available available at only 51.5, could just be two or three receptions if he hits on a big play that could push him over that. He doesn't necessarily need a huge workload based on how they're going to be covering him and how that should open up some downfield opportunities for him in this matchup. I also feel really good about how the Bills or how the Patriots played against the Bills last year. They used single high cover or they used two high coverage on 
only 18% and 8% of the Bills dropbacks in that game last year. Now, also taking a closer look at those games last year, obviously one of those games was played in bad weather. Um, so we're, we can just kind of throw that game out. I think that was a really high win game. I think on the Patriots side, that was the game where Mac Jones had something like three pass attempts, something like that. So wind was a big factor. I think we can probably just throw that game out. In their other matchup, they really keyed on Diggs. Now the Bills still fed him the ball, but Diggs had seven receptions on 13 targets for 85 yards. Now Davis did, was not, he, obviously last year, he did not play as big a role in the offense overall. So he was not the main beneficiary of that. But in that game where the Bills seemed to really, or where the, I'm sorry, where the Patriots really seemed to key on Diggs and limited his explosiveness, Isaiah McKenzie had a big game. He had 11 receptions for 125 yards. So it's this definitely seems like, based on how the Patriots are going to line up, how they're going to cover Diggs, it's probably going to open up opportunities for others. And this season, although Isaiah McKenzie is obviously still out there and the over on his receiving yards is certainly worth considering at 29 and a half, I'm going to lean towards Davis at 51 and a half. I think he's probably the big beneficiary. I think it probably opens up some opportunities for big plays against the single high coverage, not only because Diggs is going to be attracting the attention of the one safety who's out there, but I think it's going. I think we've seen a bit of a track record here with Davis producing a little bit more versus single high coverage because he is capable of getting downfield against single high coverages outside the red zone. Davis is averaging 11.5 yards per target against two high coverages, 7.8 yards per target. Also, his big plays have primarily come against single high coverages. Five of his six receptions this season of 25 or more yards against single high coverage. So this is where the Bills take shots with Gabe Davis. We're going to see a higher rate of single high coverage in this matchup. Probably means more opportunities for Davis down the field. And with the line only at 51 and a half, again, that's a number that he could get in just two or three receptions if he does hit on some big plays. So I don't think it requires a huge amount of usage for him. And obviously that's that's important to feel confidence betting on Davis because his production has been a little bit up and down this season. But I do think the opportunity for some big plays really increased in this matchup. Now, the other prop that I like in this game is one that we also bet and won very easily on Thanksgiving. It's the over on Josh Allen's rushing yards. This has been a really strong trend throughout the year. The over is eight and three for Josh Allen's rushing yards prop this season. And the losses have mostly come in games that were a little bit out of hand, at, at least at some point in the game, you know, two weeks ago that he only had seven yards against the Browns, but obviously most of the second half, the bills really controlled that. So it was not a game where, he needed to last week. He would hit the over easily because it was a much closer game. And that was something that we talked about in last week's podcast talked about having faith in the lions offense, putting up points and making it a good game and forcing Allen to be a factor in forcing Allen to be a factor in the run game throughout all four quarters. And I think that's going to be the case again in this one. It's only a four point spread. This should be a relatively close game. I think Allen's going to have to play a role throughout, throughout the year or throughout the game. Allen against New England in that one good weather game, he had 12 carries for 64 yards. I think this is just a really good opportunity against a defense that isn't necessarily great at stopping the run. There have been three games so far this season where the Patriots have played a quarterback whose rushing yardage prop was at 20 yards or higher. That was Justin Fields, Lamar Jackson, and Sam Ellinger. The over was a winner each time. So Allen's rushing yards props available at 44 and a half. He's got a really strong trend. We've got a bit of a trend with the Patriots defense. 
I think it should be a relatively close game, forcing him to continue running the ball through the fourth quarter. I think this is another opportunity for us to hopefully get a pretty easy win with Josh Allen's rushing yards. All right, as I said, I wanted to talk a little bit about the spread and the total. The Bills are favored by four. The total is set to 43 and a half. I'm not going to officially recommend one or the other. I might still do a little bit of research, see where the lines move throughout the week. But I would lean towards taking the Patriots and a little bit of a stronger lean towards taking the over in this game. That's a pretty low number. And I think the fact that the Bills are going to be without Von Miller is going to play a pretty big role in this game. The Bills' pressure rate has been good this season, but Miller's are a huge part of that. I decided to take a look at their pressure rate with him without Miller, and I excluded garbage time from this because obviously there are instances where some games have gotten out of hand and Miller has played less late in the game and some backups are getting some added action. So excluding garbage time, the Bills' pressure rate with Von Miller on the field, 39.3%. Without Von Miller, 26.6%. So if they're not getting consistent pressure on Mac Jones, that's potentially going to open up the Patriots passing game a bit because Jones is capable of uh, picking apart teams a little bit when he's given time to throw. Another key factor here is that it might force the Bills to blitz a little bit more. Again, excluding those garbage time numbers, with Von Miller on the field, they blitz only 17% of the time without Von Miller on the field, 27% of the time. So if they're going to blitz a little bit more, I think that also potentially helps the Patriots offense actually, because Mac Jones has fared reasonably well against the blitz this season. In fact, their their offense has been explosive. This is this is when they take shots downfield, is when they do get an opportunity against the blitz to get a one-on-one matchup on the outside. They will throw downfield. 15% of Mac Jones' dropbacks against the blitz this year have produced a play of 20 or more yards. That's the third highest rate in the league. So when you blitz Mac Jones, you have to be prepared for the potential that you're going to get beat deep. So that could potentially open up the Patriots offense a little bit. Now, the flip side to that is Mac Jones can be indecisive and he'll take sacks. He takes sacks versus the blitz at the fifth highest rate. So there is the potential that the Bills are able to get pressure on him with their blitz, cause some problems. But without Von Miller, like we just laid out with those numbers, their ability to get home is probably going to be diminished. So we shouldn't necessarily... Be concerned about that. I would actually lean towards the fact that they're missing Miller to favor Jones because of the fact that they're blitzing more. It increases their ability to get some big plays. And if they're not blitzing, they're probably not creating a lot of pressure and it allows them to just sort of dink and dunk away down the field like they've done at times with Mac Jones throughout his brief career. So I think this game sets up pretty well for the Patriots offense. And if the if the Patriots are moving the ball down the field, we should expect the Bills are going to match them. I, we're not. The Patriots are not going to blow the Bills out. I'd be pretty shocked by that. So I think if we're expecting the Patriots to move the ball relatively well in this game based on the fact that Von Miller is not out there, we should expect the Bills to match them. I think that they could fairly easily clear that total at 43.5. So I I like the total. I also would. I'm leaning towards the Patriots because I think that could be a pretty significant loss for the Bills, and they mean may need some time to figure out their best plan of attack on defense. I, th- I think they can adjust. I think they have the overall talent on defense to cover up that weakness. I just don't know that they've been able to figure it out in just one week against a solid team like the Patriots. So I like the total more than I like the spread, but I'm kind of leaning towards taking both the total and 
taking the points and betting on the Patriots in this matchup. So we got a few extra extra angles to take this week on Thursday Night Football. An interesting matchup, especially due to the um, the unknown that the loss of Von Miller throws into this mix. I think it could be a pretty competitive game and potentially a higher scoring game than uh, than the line would indicate. I think this could be a fun Thursday Night matchup. That's it for this week's pod. I hope you have a fun and profitable week.